Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Our guest, Rita Brown, is a passionate and proven advocate for parity, opportunity, and advancement for women. She is an award-winning writer, entrepreneur, and construction industry professional, bringing over 25 years of experience in the industry. She wears many hats, but Rita is the CEO of Brown Construction Collective, BCC+, which corners a niche in steel detailing and related services. She's also the former COO of Detroit Steel and the co-owner of Bold Bitch Media and Construction Buzz Podcast. She's also a mom of five and holds many board and volunteer positions as well. And Rita Brown is the local National Organization for Women president and the past president for NAWIC Detroit National Association of Women in Construction and the immediate past North Central Region Director for NAWIC National, as well as the Founder and National Director of the BUILD Initiative, which promotes exploration and workforce and career development within the construction, engineering, and design-related fields for women. She has received numerous awards, including being one of Construction Business Owner Magazine's top 20 most influential women in construction. Welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast, Rita. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. I feel like we've tried to sit down and do this so many times now, so I'm glad it finally is working out. We get to hear and learn a little bit more about your career and what you're working on. In your intro, I mentioned you wear a lot of hats, and you do. It's crazy. But your main gig is that you are the CEO of BCC+, which is the company you founded. Can you tell us what is BCC+. Sure. And I have to keep reminding myself that that is my main gig. (laughs) I'm a serial volunteer-er-er. But BCC Plus is a structural and miscellaneous steel detailing company and consulting firm. And what we do is we create 3D models and extract drawings from which other companies would build structures, to put it really simply. Yeah, well, I read that your father was an engineer, which is actually a really common theme we see running through these interviews with women in non-traditional fields. Believe it or not, that one or both of their parents were engineers. What kind of work did your dad do? Well, we emigrated to this country and he worked his way from the ground up from entry level in engineering and consulting company to being its CEO. He worked really hard. And the only reason I really know about the construction industry is that he also made me work really hard in that company. What did you do when you worked for him as a young person? What did you do? All through high school and college, what I did is anything and everything that needed to be done, whether it was answering phones to actually working on the drawing table and taking care of blueprint running. I mean, whatever needed to be done. So I learned every aspect of detailing back when it was pre-3D modeling. And then is that what you decided to study in school and college? No, actually, political science is what I decided to study in school and college, which is an interesting sidestep into the construction industry. But it actually has served me really, really well. 
So technically, I'm a structural miscellaneous steel detailer by trade, but my degree work is in political science, and I'm very thankful for that. Now, that's interesting. So your undergraduate work in political science shows that you always had an interest in issues relating to politics and probably social justice. So that makes a lot of sense that you would combine that education with your construction and engineering experience to really become who you are today and do the work that you're doing today. So I'm excited to get more into that. Well, what would you say has been the overarching mission which has really driven you in your work? So in my work, the reason that I found it so exciting is that in our industry, in the construction industry, it is one of the best industries for women to gain parity. And a lot of that has to do with the advances of our union brothers and sisters, because parity is written into the contracting, right? So it's an economic driver. And I think that's very telling because women have similar drivers to men. We want to provide for our families. And my father made an exceptionally good living in his firm when he became a principal in that. And it would have been really to negate that was not an option, especially when you have five kids, right? You want to provide that good, solid, strong financial base for them. But beyond that, if you're talking about my interest in social justice and all of that, I've always wanted to know how things work. That's kind of like the engineer side of everything, but I've also wanted to know how to influence things to make it better. So although I've never wanted to be necessarily affiliated with a party, I've wanted to advance and amplify goals and missions and things that matter to make one's life better. Yeah, so politics and social justice is a driver in your work, and a big part of that is diversity. And And you mentioned that parity has been of interest to you because it's different in the construction industry than in a lot of other industries. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, women only earn 81 or so percent of what men make in general, like across the board. But in construction, it's something like 99 percent or even higher. So why is that? Why is it so different in construction? I know you mentioned unions. Is that the whole reason? I think the unions have a great deal to do with it, but I think it's also a technical field that has traditionally been very male. And whenever you enter a field that is more male than female, the structure of compensation is higher. I mean, we can't negate that. It is higher. So as women have moved more into these technical fields, we've been able to grab a little bit more of that pie, if you will. Now, it's still not perfect and it's not acceptable until it's 100% parity, right? So. That's going to require a full court press all the way around from everyone. And and I'll tell you that the future of the construction industry is absolutely 100% dependent on women moving forward into these roles more and more and more, but also other underrepresented minorities moving into these roles because we simply don't have the workforce in place to continue with that traditional male, pale, stale point of view. So how can we convince employers that this is the way to go? I mean, I think for a lot of us, it seems so obvious there's a workforce, there's a dearth of people in the workforce. We need more workers. We need more bodies here. Women are, you know, out there wanting to do it. They're capable of doing it. They've proven themselves. How can we convince 
employers to go this route? Well, the visionary employers already know that there's a huge, almost a 20% bump up in your bottom line for embracing really proactive, positive DE&I, diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. It makes them money. That's how we convince them. And that was sort of the premise of the white paper that the AGC put out a couple of years ago, the business case for diversity and inclusion. So it's money. I think I'm just trying to understand, you know, what exactly it is that is creating more money and and more success for these businesses who are allowing women and other minorities into the fold more. It's an innovation of ideas, innovation, implementation, embracing the fact that change doesn't have to be bad, but change is actually a progression. You know, and when you do that, you're not married to old ideas that, I mean, if we stuck with old ideas, we'd still be, I'm from the Detroit area, so we'd still be riding the uh, horse and buggy, right? It was innovation that drove the automotive industry forward for a reason. And how do you think it is that women are able to help drive that change? Is it because we come from a background where we are used to having more responsibility thrown on us between doing like family work and our actual job in the economy, you know, over generations, or is it something else? What what do you think it is? I don't know if women are necessarily better. I think that women are definitely equal to the task and that in order for success to really take hold, we need to have all stakeholders at the table making the policy decisions that are necessary for success, right? I mean, women have always been significant in our abilities to juggle. You know, we're always juggling too. But I'll tell you that the newer generations of men are are coming into that as well. I think it's going to be less and less gender specific and more and more task specific. So it's less about each individual person being one person being more qualified than another person. And it's more about having that perspective that translates to the population as a whole, which helps drive forward businesses and the economy. Would that be accurate? Yeah, it's very similar to a rising tide lifts all boats, right? And the whole equity conversation is different from the equality conversation. Equity is about having those building blocks in place to raise people to similar heights, whatever that might be. And historically, there have been populations that have been artificially depressed or held back in our construction industry, obviously, as well. So those companies that actively engage in removing those blocks in and bringing out and putting in place programs and processes that understand that elevation is, is a good thing for all of us, but especially a good thing for the individual corporate bottom line, it's going to become the norm. And so the entire industry right now is in a huge sort of almost chaotic changeover, you know? So that's what we have to really ride that tide in and make sure that as women, as minorities, as underrepresented populations, we are not only a part of that conversation and that activity, but that we are driving that 
that conversation and that activity because I don't know about you, I don't like other people speaking for me. I'll tell you what I want or need. Listen to me. Yeah. And amplifying those voices is so important. And for employers to do that is, I would say, crucial to not only their own business, but just to morale in general. It is, but it is self-interest that's going to change over. For the last hundred years, we've tried to couch it in do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. My difference in that is like, yeah, that's super nice. It hasn't worked yet. So let's attack it from a different perspective. And that's the business point of view. They don't often think that a short squat, you know, brown woman would come in with the idea that don't think about this in ethnic terms or anything like that. Think about the fact that it's the bottom line. You'll make more money. That's that driver that that the industry needs to embrace. Well, what do employers need to do, you know, other than just hiring more women? What do they need to do to really invest in a female workforce um, to keep them there, to keep them happy and to keep them productive? Of course, look at their own business practices. I do a significant amount of consulting about that because it's not just a question of hiring more of X, Y, and Z. It's a question of what in your culture, what in your infrastructure promotes a positive work environment. And that's huge because, like I said, everything is changing right now. You know, even the definition of what work is, is changing. A year ago, we would never have dreamed that so many people could work efficiently or effectively outside the office. Yet here we are, and now it's a norm, right? So we have to be open to innovation. We have to be open to trying things. Not everything is going to work out. So that idea of perfection and improving needs to be sort of number two. Number one is the fact that you keep at it and you keep improving. Rita, you started Project Accelerate and you were invited to discuss this at a White House policy briefing. Can you tell us about that? What is it and how is it helpful to women in construction? Sure. The Build Initiative Project Accelerate is one of the things that the Build Initiative is interested in advancing. And during the last crash, when it was a wholesale bloodletting of the industry. Pretty much everybody, it didn't matter if you were an engineer or if you were a receptionist, people were getting laid off or fired left and right because the entire country crashed, right? And what I noticed personally was that even in my own company, it was devastating for everyone. It was even more difficult for the women that were in the in the company as well because they didn't necessarily have the wholesale exposure to options. They didn't know what was available to them because reinventing yourself is something that you have to do when the market constricts. So Project Accelerate was born out of that observation because I've always felt, and I think many people feel that, yeah, you can talk about an issue, But unless you're willing to put some skin in the game, unless you're willing to stick your toe in and be that change that you need to see, and sometimes it's at a personal cost, then, you know, what's the point? So I wrote another white paper because that's kind of what I do sometimes. And I brought it to my local NAWIC chapter. And that chapter was, that's the National Association of Women in Construction. And at that time, the president there was 100% supportive of bringing that program into our local ecosystem. 
and we were able to put together an opportunity for women to gain exposure to other verticals within the construction industry, which meant everything. So entry level to CEO, you go through the program, it's a short program, it is not a training program, it's an exposure program, and it gives you that working knowledge, that verbiage to be able to articulate maybe this is of value to your career or your next pivot. So that's what PA is, and it's a free program. We run women through it, you know, every single year. We just finished a cohort of 48 women that ran through it both virtually and asynchronously. And it's a huge coalition, again, of our industry partners, both union, non-union, corporate, state, and federal. And how can people get involved in this? Where can they find out about it? Oh, gosh, they can. If you go to thebuildinitiative.org, they'll be able to at least see old videos about it. And then when the new cohort is forming, we'll be throwing up some applications. Sounds great. Is there commonality between women working in the upper positions and actually with their boots in the construction site and zone and the other women who are, you know, serving as either executives or support staff. Is there a commonality between women's interests in these two areas? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because bottom line, you have two things in common in our industry, at least always, is that you identify with your gender and you identify with the fact that you're engaged in the business of the industry. And how can women use this to our advantage? Well, that's where these associations and these groups become important because you really need to amplify your voice. And the way to do that is to gather with others of similar ideology that you can drive that conversation. And it's not just one or two organizations that you need to belong to. You need to understand that it's not 100% identity politics, if you will. It's something that Different organizations advance different points of view and different strategies. So some are good for workforce development. Some are good for legislative agendas. Others are good for connectivity. And I love that there are so many organizations to choose from now. And I I think it's important for us to, like you said, get involved in more than one of them, get involved in as many as we can and realize they're not competing. We're all working toward the same ultimate goal. Can you talk a little bit about your organization, NAAPBI? Oh, I would love to. The North American Association of Professionals in Building and Infrastructure. I'd welcome you to check out the website, NAAPBI.org. The idea there is very simple. It's to understand and advance legislative endeavors, both locally, regionally, nationally. Try to make sure that We are advancing certain progressive ideas in the industry. It's also about coming up with best practices by the verticals, by the populations that actually would be affected by that. So it's it's kind of simple and it's much more legislative. It's also trying to curate a collection of resources and making that business case for diversity and inclusion, that's one of our foundation pieces. 
you know, trying to make sure that when you're coming up and you're trying to talk to your organization about X, Y, or Z, your employer, your employees, you have solid facts to back up what you're talking about. You know, I guess that goes back to just real structure and goes back to having tangibles. You know, the the big ideas are awesome and they're wonderful, but if we can back it up, if, if you want to use a construction term, backfill it, if you can make sure the structure is sound, then it's going to stand the test of time. That's so interesting because it's hard to find those statistics. It's hard to find that information. I mean, sometimes it's, it's private. You know, sometimes it belongs to a company and you don't have access to it. And to be able to put all of this in a place that's accessible to organizations I feel like it's going to be a huge step forward for advancement. Can you share a little bit more about how you're gathering this information and where it's going to be and who's going to have access to it? Sure. What we're asking right now, we just opened up a quick page on the website. We're asking people to submit data that they have permission to and give us permission to post. So it's going to be an open form. It's going to be accessible. Our partners are going to be, you know, we're not just promoting NAAPBI, the idea, again, is to raise the tide, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats, like I said before, it's tired, but that's the idea. So you just fill out a form and you tell us what it is that you're, you think needs to be in the resource library. And then we have a peer group that's going to go through all of the submissions and we've already just started posting things. So It'll go out through our social media. We're talking about white papers. We're talking about actual tangible, maybe best practices that have worked in your company. We're talking about programs that are innovative and that you'd like more eyes on. Because by the end of this, we anticipate with our commitments already that we'll be looking at thirty or 40,000 members by the end of summer. That's incredible because this is really more of a coalition. It's people coming together from all different organizations. Yeah, it's a collaborative, you know, as all good work should be. So people are submitting the information that they have from their companies and are companies also submitting, you know, their information that would not normally be public information, but their, their bosses have allowed them to do that? How is this becoming public? Yeah, it's up to them. So you do have to be a member in order to post the, you know, to advance your data, I guess. But, you know, the whole premise of this organization is not to collect funds for becoming a member, you know, so the membership is open. If possible, we're going to suggest, you know, donate 10 bucks to the cause. So it's not a big, huge deal. And if you can't, you can't. If you can do more, you do more. But All of that information comes back to you. It's up to you. As long as you're a member, we'll take a look at what you're submitting. Ideally, it'll be in the format of a one-page PDF talking about what it is or a link to a site or, or something like that. We're open. That's the whole thing is that we don't know specifically where all of this is gonna shake out. You know, we're starting the curation process And from our membership will emerge a group that's dedicated to this, you know. So that's our hope. And I think that we have such a substantial resource in the membership that it won't be difficult to get that up and launched. Yeah. Okay. So that's the one arm is curating information and gathering the data. What are the other aspects or branches of NAAPBI? 
So there are several things that we're very, very interested in doing. We're putting together our panels to discuss everything from industry best practices and understand within our industry, there are a number of verticals. So it would be something different for, say, the infrastructure or the highways industry as opposed to commercial construction or residential construction. So each of those verticals will have their own council of experts who will be working on those tasks and then also looking at the legislative endeavors. So we're looking at best practices. We're looking at highlighting and spotlighting innovation. We're looking at putting together opportunities for professional development and workforce development, which is always first on everyone's mind. It's a component of what we're talking about. And then at the end of all of this, we want to recognize those individuals, those companies, those associations, those colleagues that are really getting it right, you know, because I think that you have to, you have to acknowledge them so that you can inspire the rest of us to emulate them. What are some ways that women can get involved? Just join up and take a look at the website. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. I mean, the request to get membership information, fill that out. It's open not just to women, but to men and women. I mean, basically, it's it's an open forum, an open opportunity. If you support equity, inclusion, opportunity, and and I think that encompasses most of us, you'll want to be a part of this organization. So you, f- you fill out a form on the website. It's really simple. This is all volunteer, you know, which is pretty significant. If, if we hit our funding goals like we think we are, we'll be hiring in staff to take care of things. But right now we are collaborating with different partners. We're trying to amplify their messaging as well. So if it's something that resonates with our leadership board, with our founders board, then we're going to spotlight it. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that, like with with corporations and construction companies and other companies and throughout the industry, can they become a member as a company? They can become a member as a company, but corporate membership is different from individual membership. So they just need to have a discussion with our membership team and they can put that in a form and somebody will contact them because there is a number that we need to attach to how many people they're bringing in. We've got one organization that's bringing in 2,500 people. You know, so that's it's important that we sort of maintain where our membership is coming from. The other thing is we don't want any one group driving this conversation. So there's also an identification of where everyone is interested. Is there something within what we're doing that is of interest to the individuals or to the companies? Now, when we're putting together our advisory board, which is in addition to our leadership team, we're going to have spots available for different verticals in the industry. And we want representation from all of them, just to give as many as we can. I say all of them like I know what all of them are. I don't even know what all of them are. But let's not lump them all into one group. Like if we say union trades people, that's too big. So we absolutely want union and non-union tradespeople, but there are differences between the operating engineers and the iron workers and the 
you know, IBEW and all of these. So they all need to have representation. Everyone needs to have a seat at this table so that we can advance conversations that we all have some input on and massaging together. That's the difference. This is about inclusion. If this is about inclusion and that's what it's about, then we truly will be open to voices, even sometimes if we don't agree with them internally. And that can be hard for organizations. It is a huge, huge challenge every single day. We see organizations all day long that are fighting internal battles that are pretty significant, you know, some that you and I know near and dear to our hearts. But you know what? That struggle is good because until you face your inner conflict, how are you going to improve? You know, how are you going to get better if you don't face the truths that are within your own self, I guess? So true. Well, Rita Brown, thank you so much for doing what you do. It seems like you are just a total rock star at building coalitions and creating these organizations that promote real change, not just that sit around and talk about it, but that actually take action. We're really excited to learn more about what you're doing with NAAPBI and all of the data that is coming together to actually help women bring the information that they need to the workplace and really make change at at these organizations. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today about this. We really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. Much appreciated. Let me know if there's anything else you need. Thank you so much. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.